back to Off the Clock with Willow Polish. This week, we talked with Jeff DeGrave, the Intercultural Immersions Coordinator for University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, about financial aid for immersion trips, how immersion trips happen, and how travel can help you off the clock. This is WUEC Eau Claire, Blue Gold Radio Sunday. So, can we just start off right away with the difference between the immersion program and the study abroad program, because I know those are two different things. Yes, thank you for asking. Everybody on campus is confused uh, yes. um, about these two offices. So, probably the biggest difference uh, between the two is the amount of um, oversight and or independence. So, to start easily enough with the study abroad office, which is next our next door neighbors, the CIE Center for International Education. That's more what you think of typical study abroad, like you might go and do a semester in Spain, you know, and you, you yourself, you get on the plane by yourself effectively. Yeah. Maybe there's some other uw Claire students and you fly to Spain and you're on your own and you go to school there and you're around mostly students who are not from uw Claire. There's no uw Claire faculty members mm -hmm. uh, and this kind of thing. So that's a sort of a typical study abroad. Of course, the CIE also offers winter room and summer programs as well. Yeah. Uh, for our office, these are all faculty-led short-term uh, immersion programs. So they're UW-Eau Claire faculty and staff who lead the program, and then you as a student, you are among a group of other UW-Eau Claire students, so we'll just say the, the frequent number is 12. So it'd be you and 11 other UW-Eau Claire students who travel as a group uh, with two uh, UW-Eau Claire faculty and staff. You have a daily itinerary, you fly to Guatemala, and you get there and then you know you uh, you go visit the coffee farm one day and you meet the indigenous women who are making you know sustainable clothing and this sort of thing and then after a couple two or three weeks you're done you come home and that's that so so one's much more individual one's much more group focused yeah. one's more um, sort of because it's individual you're meeting people from all over the world whereas a faculty-led program you tend to you know, get to know your fellow Blue Golds quite well by the end of the program. Yeah, yeah. And are these trips repeat very structured or do they kind of come and go with the seasons throughout different years with different faculty? A little bit of both. We have some programs that repeat every single uh, year. Mm -hmm. Some um, go every other year. Sometimes if a faculty member has more time in one year, they'll leave the program and then take a break for three years. Yeah. Sometimes they're just one off. So it's, it's, a, it's a, a wide variety of, of, of programs. But yeah, we do have some that are consistently going every year, but um, it's, the list is different every year, therefore. Yeah, yeah. And is it typically the foreign language teachers that lead these immersion trips or is it a different group of faculty generally? Oh, it's a, it's a great question. It's actually, a wide range, as wide a range as you can imagine, of faculty and staff. So it's not just professors, but also staff folks like uh, me. I don't teach anymore, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm going to be leading a program to Guatemala this winter. Mm -hmm. So you have a wide range of folks. Um, most of the programs are not discipline specific, although some are. For example, the Guatemala program is about social and environmental justice, but you don't need to be uh, an environmental studies major or social justice. On the other hand, um, there's a public history program that goes to Great Britain. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a history major, but they tend to take a lot of history majors. So, so some are more discipline focused than, than others, so it's, a, it's a, a great variety of programs for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And is that a 
selection process? Like, do you have to apply or do you just meet with the professor and talk about it through word of mouth? Is as there... a student? Yeah, as a student. Yeah, so ultimately we post our programs. Um, actually, I'll take one step back. Uh, faculty and staff will come, will submit a proposal and yeah. then we, it goes to a review committee to say, okay, is this a good program? Is it affordable? Are the students getting out of the, you know, what are they getting out of the program? Is it, you know, educational or are you just going on vacation? You know, this sort mm -hmm. of thing, which we don't support, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so then once the program is, is approved, then we can post it on the Immersions website as well as the Study Abroad website. And then students go through a formal uh, application, online application process. Um, there's usually two deadlines. There's a priority deadline where if you get your application in complete before that deadline, you are automatically accepted, assuming you meet the minimum GPA and whatever yeah. other requirements there are. And if the program still isn't full, then we'll open it up for another few months, hopefully to fill the program. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but generally speaking, as of right now anyway, uh, the sort of a year or so past COVID, programs are filling incredibly quickly. Uh, now people, I think, feel comfortable. Traveling. And yeah, and they, maybe they have their, their, their head around like, okay, I don't have to deal with Zoom calls 24 yeah. hours a day. I'm ready to go travel again. Yeah. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Did you experience a big hit during COVID? Uh, we canceled all of our programs during yeah. COVID. So yeah. uh, just because it, it was so complicated and you know, you know safer at home and this yep. sort of thing. Definitely. And on many countries were not allowing international travel and many yeah. states were not allowing international domestic travel because we yeah. have international and domestic immersions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, everything was shut down for, mm -hmm. for a little while. So that was tough. Yeah, I was curious about that because I know you also run domestic immersion trips as well. If during COVID you guys had to switch to only domestic, but now it's but it was fully shut down. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah. Uh, many of our our domestic programs work with vulnerable populations already, yeah. and so a lot of these folks mm -hmm. who we would normally interact with, they might not have been able to uh, be vaccinated, and so yeah. if we were to make them sick, you know, we have to think of our own sort of responsibility of yes, it's great for for us, but it, but this, is somebody going to pay a, a terrible cost because of we want to you know, have this amazing experience, but at what price? So. Mm -hmm. Was it difficult to get things going again post-COVID? Um, yes and no. The, it was a little bit slow. You know, people yeah. were kind of treading lightly for a while. And then, but uh, it, it, there was clearly a corner that was turned uh, last year, or maybe I should say this calendar year, like starting in January. Um, the programs have been full, full, full ever, ever since January. That's um, nice. Yeah, and in 2022, uh, you know, some yeah. some programs weren't so full, but we could tell students were slowly coming back. But this year, very noticeable. It's, it's I want to say it's back to the way it was prior to COVID. Mm -hmm. I think this year is the first year for a lot of programs that's it's almost like completely back to normal now. Right, right, yeah. exactly. We have new systems and new rules and this kind of mm -hmm. thing. But uh, ultimately, in terms of the demand and um, people getting excited to travel again, yeah, it definitely feels like five years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know there are multiple different programs sort of within the cultural immersions sector. One I saw that was really interesting to me was the International Fellows Program, but I know there are the three sort of main ones. Is there a big difference between which of the three you choose to be a part of? Um, yeah, there, there is a big difference, um, but I'll, I'll give you some, some details about each yeah, of them so yeah. you can sort of think about which ones might be right for you or a friend of yours or for yeah. anybody else. Yeah. So the first category um, is probably the one that people think of mostly as our faculty-led international uh, immersion experiences or FLIE, F-L-I-I-E. Mm -hmm. 
And these are kind of like I described before with Guatemala. You go with a group, you go to a foreign country, you're there for a couple of weeks. None of them require any language skills aside from English. Mm -hmm. um, and the beauty with all immersion programs is that they receive automatically, students receive funding, blue gold funding to help uh, reduce the cost. Mm -hmm. So for our FLEA programs, our international programs, every student automatically, uh, if they're a full-time undergraduate, blue gold, um, receives $500 per week of the program in money from the university. So by the Guatemala program is two weeks, so every student receives $1,000 off the bill right off the bat. Um, we have a couple programs in Europe that are four weeks, so you get $2,000 off the bill. Then we have our domestic immersion programs. Those are those tend to be a little bit shorter, usually between seven to ten days. Like we have some that run over spring break, even. Yeah, I know um, the one popular one was the the one they did down south that they documented that on the social media. Yes, civil yeah. rights pilgrimage. Civil yeah. rights pilgrimage. Very yes. popular. It runs twice a year. In fact, that's wow. how popular that one has been going for for over a decade for sure. Mm -hmm. So, absolutely, that's a that's a famous one. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, with domestic immersions, um, students uh, receive funding from the university to cover 90, 90% of the costs. So for example, we have a program in Puerto Rico, and I'm just gonna make up numbers, but let's just say it's, let's say the flight's $1,000, and 10 days in Puerto Rico, let's say it's $100 a day mm -hmm. for a hotel, so that's another $1,000, and all the programming and transportation and food and all that, let's say that's another 1,000. So it would be $3,000 to go to Puerto Rico for 10 days, but because the university covers 90%, Students pay $300, including their airfare and all of that, wow. to uh, not only go, but obviously have this amazing experience. Uh, the Puerto Rico program is based on uh, the fact that Puerto Rico had a number of hurricanes roll through it a couple summers yes. ago, and we don't hear about it in the news, but there, there's, still, there's still so much need there, and so the mm -hmm. folks in Puerto Rico are asking, will, will you send people down who want to help rebuild and this kind of a thing. So it's a great program. And this is the beauty of Blue Gold funding is to make it affordable for everyone. Yeah. So that's 90%. And then the International Fellows Program, the IFP that you mentioned, yeah. that is a research-based international immersion. And those are covered 100% by the university. Wow. You pay $0 or cents. Um, the one that comes to mind first is probably the biology program on the Galapagos Islands where students will go for basically summer uh, to study and do research at the Charles Darwin Research Center that Charles Darwin himself, yeah. you know, effectively started. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, what? And this isn't, you know, we're not at Harvard, but yet we have this amazing connection yeah. with the Charles Darwin Research Station that is 100% covered. So, and going to the Galapagos Islands is very expensive. Yeah. Um, but students, four lucky biology, lucky and smart, uh, hardworking <laughs> students, get to go to uh, the Galapagos Islands and do research every summer. So, pretty amazing. Yeah. And that's, I feel like that's also kind of part of Eau Claire encouraging kids to take part in research. Absolutely, yeah. It's one more example of our strong emphasis on student faculty research and our yeah. high impact practices and all yeah. that good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Are there any other programs that are involved in U.S. territories kind of similar to Puerto Rico that maybe people don't know about as much? Um, we do have a Hawaii program as yeah. well, which sort of looks at uh, how Hawaiians are able to or are not uh, able to preserve their culture because when we think of Hawaii, of course we have, you know, ethnic Hawaiians who live on Hawaii, but who comes there? It's mostly white folks from the yeah. United States, from the mainland, and they want to see a luau 
whatever yeah. that means, scare quotes included. Um, and so if you ha are continually providing this sort of Hollywood version of your own culture, mm -hmm. how do you preserve your own culture? Because it's slowly, that's not what's in demand from a you know capitalist, consumerist perspective. So, yeah. so that's what the Y one's all about. Um, we have an LGBTQ-focused program that goes to San Francisco uh, every mm -hmm. summer. Um, they work. W there's a, a, a film festival that takes place in the Castro Q District. Q-Fest. exactly Q -Fest. that. Yes. So that's another program that students might not know about, but is very unique. And mm -hmm. again, because it's 90% funded, it's very affordable for students. Mm -hmm. uh, the GSRC also contributes funding for that one as well to, mm -hmm. to help. So um, I mentioned the Civil Rights Pilgrimage. Yeah. Um, those are the ones that certainly come to mind at the moment. Yeah, and, uh, those seem like the, the big ones. And, and all of our, our domestic programs um, focus on underrepresented populations of one form or another. So, yeah. so it's not just a cool place to go like San Francisco or Hawaii, but yeah. they're going there for a reason. And obviously there are significant populations there who you know have, have not had the same experiences as mainstream populations and have mm -hmm. suffered. And it's uh, very uh, helpful and informative for most of our students here at UW-Eau Claire who don't know that, that part of the United States yeah. or that you, know, you don't need to leave the United States to have a, an experience of a completely different culture you know, and, and someone's lived experience that's completely different uh, yeah. than, than, than what a lot of folks experience here. Especially living in the Midwest. I feel the majority of students attending Eau Claire, you can safely say, are kind of from the Midwest, mm, mm. Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan area. And I feel like that's a really important part, seeing the different sides of United States culture. Absolutely. And, yeah. and the beauty, too, kind of tying into all that is not just U.S., but also the world, you know, because we have international yeah. programs. And the beauty is that every UW-Claire undergraduate student receives funding for one FLEA and one DII, domestic mm -hmm. immersion, and one IFP. Yeah. So you can have three different experiences, one domestic one international and one with international research, yeah. all supported by UW-Eau Claire and Blue Gold Commitment Funding. Yeah, yeah. And um, if you have any friends or colleagues at UW-Lacrosse <laughs> or UW-Milwaukee or UWGB, say, do you guys have some sort of bucket of money that helps you go to places and have amazing experiences? Uh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. No. So yeah, we're very fortunate uh, to have that, uh, yes. that, that that funding available here. That is something really unique about Eau Claire is how encouraging they are to get involved and to travel and do all take part in all the different programs. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, and, and of course, you know, the, the teaching and the courses and the professors and everybody here on campus are great, but you, you simply cannot replicate Mm -hmm. all places and all spaces and all yes. people and all lived experiences in a classroom. So it's important for students to have all these high-impact practices to see a different reality. Um, that doesn't mean one's right or wrong or better or worse, just a very different one and hopefully empathize and understand that other folks may have had very different experiences in their lives here uh, in the United States and across the world. Yeah. What is the review process like when a faculty member submits a project for review, do you have to go through the entire experience for an immersion trip or do they just sort of propose it in a presentation format? What is that review process like? All right. Well, we actually just changed it. So it's okay. now in an exciting e-form uh, <laughs> process, but it sort of streamlined the, 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 the submitting process and the, you know, the Definitely. checking off. So basically, a, a professor and or staff member would come up with, with an idea for a program. 
usually they it's something that they're familiar with. So for example, I did my dissertation research in Honduras. So it would make sense if I wanted to propose an IFP to do research. I'm like, ooh, I, I know a lot of people in Honduras that I work with for my own research. We can just sort of, you know, piggyback on what I had been doing X years ago. And I know people there. I know where we can stay. I know how we can get around. We, we have a great relationship. We a sense of, you know, community. They trust me. I trust them. So, you know, I'm not coming in there trying to exploit them and this sort of yes. thing. And all of those sort of colonial, you know, uh, uh, the colonial baggage that we all have coming from the United States. We want to obviously address that right away in all of our proposals. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, I, uh, one would come up with a proposal, and then you write it up, and you submit it to your department chair or your supervisor if you were a faculty member as opposed to a professor, uh, and then they would read it and approve it, and then the dean and others would read it and approve it, and if it made it through all of that, then it comes to our review committee, and the committees are basically um, composed of folks who have submitted proposals and or have led programs in that category. So mm -hmm. so a DII, a domestic proposal, would go to the domestic review committee and those committee members have led domestic immersions and or have submitted proposals for domestic immersions. So they're familiar with what it's like to be out in the field and that kind of thing. So then we basically, we read through the uh, proposal, um, there, which includes a budget as well. And we look at the, the various items like, okay, does this make sense, this amount of money? Um, and is, you know, obviously pedagogically, does it make sense what they're teaching, how they're teaching, what the students would be learning? Is there a good community partner? Are we, you know, does it, does it seem like, you know, there's no, no connection there and they're just going to wander around, you know, yeah. hoping to find something worthwhile? So the idea is that, yeah, we're going to review it to make sure it all makes sense. It seems viable. Obviously, it's educational. It's very, and equally as important is that it's respectful to the local communities. And then assuming it gets approved, then I send out a letter to those, the faculty and staff members who submitted, said, hey, congratulations, you are now approved. You can go during this time period, uh, whenever the money was allotted for. Or I might say, hey, great idea, sorry. Uh, we need you to revise it and resubmit it. And these are the concerns that the committee has. And then they'll come in and we'll work together and then sort of sort out of whatever those questions were. Then they would resubmit it. Hopefully, the next time around, uh, we'll resolve all those questions, yeah. and then it can go in whatever the next funding cycle is. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, a little bit of paperwork, but um, the I committee members that. like being on these committees because you get to see what other people are yeah. thinking, and um, uh, it's just. And then you start to see like, wow, we have programs here, and what a great idea! I, I'm going to add that to my program, you know, and just also just thinking about all the new and exciting opportunities that are happening for students uh, is really what drives all of it really constructive sort of communal process. Absolutely. And speaking yeah. of communal process on each of the committees. Uh, Thanks for joining us this week with Jeff DeGrave, the International Immersions Coordinator here at UWEC. Make sure to tune in next week to hear the rest of this interview. So a bit magical. Yeah. So you mentioned your background is in geography. How did you go from a geography professor, I'm assuming, to an immersions coordinator? Oh, right. What was that transition like? Well, it was, uh, you know, it was uh, complicated. For this has been Off the Clock, and I'm your host, Willow Polish. Thanks for listening to Blue Gold Radio Sunday.